Welcome to the Heart to Kill podcast, the official podcast of the Heart to Kill program, the world's leading program for driven individuals looking to gain direction and momentum, where we aim to break down the complex, multifaceted and holistic factors of human performance and optimization. Both on the program and on this podcast, we will be discussing and excavating everything pertaining to psychological resilience, physical robustness, and leading by example with discipline and tenacity to create a culture of winning, especially in the turbulent, frenetic, and high-tempo world of the ambitious individual. This is Mark, the creator, senior DS, and head coach of the Heart of program. Let's get stuck straight into it. So in today's episode, I'd like to begin to discuss the topic of leadership. Now, leadership is obviously a multifactorial and relatively wide panoramic, and there are mountains of dry and somewhat self-indulgent pieces of literature and books discussing various leadership strategies, various management styles, so on and so forth. What I've comprised are the five key fundamental things that I believe to be complicit with good leadership. And none of these are necessarily taken from the literature of this is what the science says, this is what the neuroscience says, and more so about having observed and analyzed and been part of really high performing peak performance environments, and also how we create and create the culture in the Heart to Kill directing staff and how we see that positively impact the lives of the clients within our coaching organization. There's also then a strong amount of evidence based on what it is we teach to our clients and how we ask them to think, empathize and operate and the results it's gaining them in their lives, not just in their corporate and professional spaces, not just in their business endeavors, but also in their personal lives, in their athletic pursuits and in their family units too. So the first thing I want to talk about, what I believe to be the true underpinning and overarching fundamental rule of leadership is that you have to remember the person you're dealing with, speaking to, or leading is somebody's child. Now that might seem quite reductionist. That might seem almost like an obvious statement. Of course, it's someone's child. Everyone's someone's fucking child. But when we begin to think through that lens, we realize that that is a human being and this is a human level of leadership. So when we begin to remember this is someone's child, well, would we be as demanding authoritarian, disrespectful, impatient, or any of the things that we're all very guilty of being, would we operate in the same way to that human if we know that their parent is stood watching how we're communicating with them? Of course we wouldn't. When we remember that it's someone's child, we realize the importance of them having safety, of them knowing that they can trust us and also that we can trust them. And it changes the empathy with which we communicate with that person. It changes the dynamic of how much respect and appreciation we give them. And we realize that is somebody's child. And often I tend to visualize whether it's members of a directing staff in the Hard to Kill program, whether it's clients in the Hard to Kill program, whether it's my partner, whether it's people I come into contact with on a regular basis. I often visualize in challenging and undulating and volatile situations, I imagine that their parent is there literally giving them a handover to me and saying, this is my child. This is my most treasured item, object, thing, person, human, whatever on earth. Please take care of them. Make sure they're safe. Make sure they feel loved and make sure they're happy. And when you begin to look through that lens, yes, that person still might get things wrong. Mistakes fucking happen. That's the human condition. That is the human experience. But the way in which you view it, the empathy to which you extend to them, the way in which you communicate about that completely radically changes. Now, that's not to say that we can't be professional. It's not to say that we can't still be direct. But the way in which we can be direct is always to leave that person a better place than you found them. It is to be very direct with the belief systems 
but be to be polite and respectful to that human so that they feel valued, so they feel safe, so that they feel trusted. And as a result, you, you will find that that person, when they feel safe and when they feel trusted and when they feel part of a team, will go above and beyond for no reason other than they love what they're part of. They have pride over their team, their tribe, their family, whatever it is that you want to call it. So that's the first fundamental rule of leadership is remember that it is someone's fucking child. The second fundamental law of leadership in the heart to kill culture, both with directing staff and with clients, is that you have to keep your own cup full. What we mean by that is it's very easy as a leader to become almost managerial and to become a bit of a martyr to feel like you have to do everything and you must like take ownership over everything. And basically you work yourself to absolute annihilation through some sense of guilt, high performance guilt, whether it's, it's, it's some inner work that hasn't been done or whether it's simply a case of perfectionism, whether you feel you can get it done better than them, quicker than them, so on and so forth. And one of the first things that we see go, one of the first things that we see suffer when an individual steps into a position of leadership or when they're trying to provide for others is their own self care. How many business owners do you know, or are you a professional who has just thrown your training to the curb, whose nutrition leaves a lot to be desired, whose fun participation in other competitive events or athletic pursuits has just totally fucking ceased to exist? How many of the things that you used to do that made you feel happy and fulfilled do you still actually continue to do? Now, the reason it's so important to keep your own cup full is because in order to sustain leadership rule number one, you know, treat somebody else like they're, they're, like they're, they're, they're somebody else's child, is that you're going to need energy. You're going to need happiness. You're going to need fulfillment in order for your cup to be overflowing, to give other people abundance, to give them your time, to give them your energy, to give them your patience. So let's have a bit of a case study. If there's two people, if one person is working 16 hours per day and never does anything they like for themselves, has no excitement and isn't doing anything fun, isn't taking care of their physical health by some means of movement or training, isn't nourishing them themselves regularly and appropriately and is using like highly processed junk foods and nicotine and too much caffeine, that's person A. Person B still works very hard, but is a person who just gets stuff done, manages to move and train their body every day, expresses gratitude, has a loving home life because of how they communicate with those people, nourishes themselves appropriately, not like a fucking bodybuilder, but nourishes themselves appropriately so they have level and sustainable energy. Which of those two people would you prefer to be a leader around you? Which would you prefer to be your boss? Which would you prefer to go to with a problem? Who's going to handle that situation more effectively? The stressed out martyr who is self-indulgent with their proclamations of I have to do everything and I've got to dig out blind all the time, or the person who keeps their cup full? So that's why leadership law number two is to ensure that you're keeping your cup full. Leadership law number three is to ensure and to understand that you are there to serve, not to lead. And this is obviously referred to as service leadership. Whenever we think about leadership and whenever you look at a lot of the doctrine, especially a lot of the bullshit that's on social media, we have this image and we have this visualization that you must lead from the front and you must always do everything. Everyone should always look up to you and you should be fitter than other people and faster than other people, especially in the military. Um, the coaches think they must be in the best shape and they must be the fittest and all this sort of stuff. Understand that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And the role of a leader in a professional space, especially, and in a family unit and amongst your friends is not always to take the limelight. In fact, more often than not, you're not going to receive a great deal of it. It's actually to surround yourself with good people if you have the option to actually choose your people. Or if you're surrounded by people over, over which you have no choice, like your family is an example, is actually just to facilitate their excellence. Because when you facilitate their excellence by ensuring that they're happy, by ensuring that they're having their needs met, they have all the resources that they're 
acquire, they are and they understand the vision and mission, they are going to be able to perform to exponentially higher standards than if you think you can lead the charge. Because it's an immaturity, it's a volatility, it's an enormous personal flaw if you perceive that you're better, smarter, faster, fitter, stronger, more capable than people in your team. Because it's not to be the truth. We all have different strengths and weaknesses. And whilst you have may, may have some strengths, you're going to have a lot of weaknesses too. And there's going to be people in your team, environment, family unit, friendship group, whatever, who are a lot better at different things than you. And your role is not to try and pretend that you're better or to minimize their successes, is actually to acknowledge and interpret and identify what their skills are, and then to be just able to serve them and say, what do you need from me? What can I give you? What can I offer you? What can I resource you with? What space can I give you? How can I support you leaning into this thing that you're clearly better than me at, that you're clearly brilliant at, in order that you perform to your greatest extent and really fulfill your greatest potential? And when you do that in collaboration with performance point number one and performance point number two, then you will never have an issue with performance. When you put humans first and they're healthy, happy humans who are being resourced and looked after and feel safe, they are going to outperform anyone if you want to go down the competitive route. But I'm not an enormous advocate of looking at competition, especially in professional settings and definitely not in family settings, but they are just going to become the greatest version of themselves. And that ought to be the metric of success of your leadership, not how good, how clever or how successful you look. Leadership law number four is that you are are responsible. Find out how. What I mean by that is when we're new to either managing or leading or having positions of responsibility, it can be very easy to kind of identify, well, it's that person's fault or this went wrong because of that. Or if I'd have done it, I would have done it differently X, Y, and Z. But ultimately, as I've spoken about in previous episodes and podcast episodes and Instagram posts, so on and so forth, whoever holds the blame holds the power. And as a leader, either in a professional setting or a family unit, whatever it may be, if something has gone wrong, if you haven't got the out outcome that you intended to get, then you have to find a way to take responsibility by zooming out. So if there's a person in your organization who did a task unsuccessfully, and there was something like a fuck up for want of a better phrase, you have to ask yourself, or did I train that person to the very best of my ability to complete that task? Yes or no question. If the answer is no, it's on you. You need to go back and train them. If you did train them, you say, well, did I actually train them well enough? What did I actually teach them? Okay. And then what was the actual fuck up? Like if they did this wrong, okay, well, is it their first time? Yes or no. If it's yes, then there are allowed to fail. You failed and you fucked up at many different things before. So take responsibility for the fact your expectations are not uh, not grounded and based on reality. And you're putting too much pressure on that situation. You become attached to the outcome. And that is poor leadership because you're making that person feel pressured and afraid to fail. Whereas someone is not afraid to fail when they feel safe and when they feel like they have their trust and they can be creative. Sure, they might get it wrong once or twice, but I can guarantee they will take a level of stewardship and responsibility that means they absolutely dominate that role or whatever it is they've been asked to do. Because because you found a way to make it your problem. And then ultimately you found a way to fix it. If we look at our children as an example, or if you look at, at people in your team, if they're consistently not doing things right, have you actually communicated to them the importance? Have you communicated to their values? Because if you value growth, if you value growth metrics or profitability or an outcome, the chances are that person doesn't value it because they don't benefit from it in the same way. So what is the value that that person holds? If you're entrepreneurial, the chances are you value productivity success, profitability, all of the things in business that you need to make the business operate, the chances are if that person is not in your driving seat, then they maybe don't value that same level of autonomy and profitability and so on and so forth. And maybe what they truly value is security and affiliation and respect and being told they're doing a good job. So have you communicated their values? Again, yes or no. And if you're going through this and you're like, well, I haven't done that, haven't done that, haven't done that, that's actually a positive experience because it helps you understand how you can get better, how you can improve your team performance,
performance and how you can operate with service and human leadership to make that person happier and more effective as part of your team. Leadership law number five, which ties all of us together with a bow, is to be a better communicator. And in an effort to do that, you have to study communication. That's why so many of our modules of study and so much of our content inside the Hard to Kill program, what we teach to our clients is about communication. We've even had Kathy McDonald, who was head of hostage and crisis negotiation at Scotland Yard for over 20 years. She comes in and delivers subject matter expertise on that entire topic of how to glean someone's values from what they're communicating, what they're not communicating, and how they're communicating about something. So we can understand somebody's values. We know how to actively listen so if someone's frustrated or feels that they're not being represented or not being recognized or acknowledged, how can we glean that from what they're saying or not saying? How can we curate and cultivate an environment where they feel like they can come and speak to us with safety and that we trust them and that they can trust us to take that information and actually, again, serve them and meet them on a humanistic level to encourage them, to give them responsibility, the resources and the space to lead and to operate into themselves to the very best of their ability. You also need to know how to have difficult conversations because we're looking through the lens at moment of always being there and serving our people. That sometimes in order to serve somebody, you have to have a very direct conversation with them. If they are not doing something as intended, if they ultimately have demonstrated a failing in a certain area, then we have to look at ourselves and say, well, have we communicated they've done something wrong? Because if you haven't ever communicated that, then they're going to continue to repeat that simply because they don't know any better. So it's not, it might not be easy and it might take an enormous amount of courage and integrity, but to be to, in order to effectively do that, you have to know how to communicate difficult conversations while while still inspiring someone whilst not demeaning, undermining and disrespecting them in an effort they can they can come to the conversation. They can actually understand your perspective. They can understand what they're doing is not conducive to the growth and success of the team. And then they can ultimately create solutions with you about what they'll do better and then commit to action and be held accountable to that. And you also just have to know when to listen. So much of leadership is knowing when your people need to speak and when they need to have a voice because when they feel heard, again, if we return to leadership law number one of treating it like somebody's child, if they feel heard, they feel safe. If they feel safe, they're going to trust you. And people who trust the team that they're in are no longer looking for threats. As a team, we should operate like wildebeest out in the fucking Serengeti. Okay, so we've all got our tails in, we've all got our horns out. That way, no matter where a lion comes from, we're going to be able to defend ourselves because we know there is no threat within. We're looking out for each other, we are safe, and we trust each other. The second somebody doesn't know if they can trust you, they've turned around their horns in and arse out, which means external attacks, whether it be from competitors in the professional space, other sporting teams, whatever it may be, are going to take you down as a team. And again, looking at taking responsibility, it's on you because you didn't listen to that person and you didn't curate the culture that is required of you as a true leader. So those are my five points on leadership according to the Hard to Kill. I would love to hear your feedback, your insights, your thoughts, questions, or queries, and I'd be happy to answer them. Uh -huh.